Welcome back to the Grim Meter. Welcome back. I actually, I think we're on episode 42. I, I actually didn't check. So, um, yeah. Uh, so, I'm Rebecca. I'm Nikki. And this podcast is where we come up with a story based on each other's uh, books and then do a little book review and actually tell the person that they were completely 100% wrong with their guess. Yep. That's yeah. uh, how it usually goes. Becca, we need to address the elephant in the room. Is this, I'm just going to put this in. I have noticed it when editing, but I met um, a friend of mine the other day, social distance. We're both fully vaccinated, all that. My f- lovely friend, Peter, and uh, we were chatting about the podcast. He said, yeah, I must get back into listening to it because he's like, he's listening to it, then got really busy with work. And he said, I really want to get back into it. And I was like, oh, great. You know, uh, listeners, like we just, anything is, we really appreciate it. And then he's like, you say the word, um, a lot. I was like, <gasps> I feel. I don't think I do. I think that's a you thing. It was a me <laughs> thing. It's 100% a me thing. And I was like, There's I definitely feel. something worse that I'm saying every two seconds. I see, I don't notice yours at all. You come across as really eloquent and I'm like, I, I come don't. across like a speech impediment. No, you don't. Walking, like- no, I come across as a bumbling fool. No, you don't. But yeah. <laughs> see, saying- I don't I don't say, uh, because I'm literally saying the first thing that comes to my head without filtering it at all. So the well, yeah, English, so the grammar, don't know her. This is my public apology for anyone that I annoy with all my ums. And I have, um. I shall now try to start editing them out. But there's quite a lot of them. So, yeah, I just wanted to cut in. But yes, in other... You also, you also go, so, yeah. I and, do. And I also do, uh, do you know, like... No, <laughs> no, no, what's the, what's the one you do? Oh, so it is. <laughs> I love it so much. It's my favorite thing you do. Tax. And you're just like, oh, it's very good. So it is. I'm like, oh, you limerick woman <laughs> of my heart. It's so Irish. <laughs> it's so funny. It's uh, adorable. It's such like, it's such a limerick thing. I'm starting to notice. I probably get oh, it it my dad and he's not a limerick man at all. So it is. He just ends sentences, like things like that. So it is. Oh, you know, I love it. It's mm. my favorite thing. Whenever you do it, I just smile. I'm just like, oh, I love that. Those are, oh. shall now become a big problem for me when I'm editing. But yes, <laughs> the other elephant in the room, Nikki, what was it? Sally Rooney has a book out and we're not talking about it today because we're currently reading it nice and leisurely. Well, you're reading it you leisurely. Can't, yeah, Yesterday, you can't like 170 me. pages in. I know, I, I um, wish I could do that. I went to the cafe specifically to just read hmm. and then I opened up Zoom and I was like, oh, what work stuff can I get done? <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm just work, work comes first. Unfortunately, Sally, Sally Rooney stands don't come for me for saying that, but like your work does come first. But I have to say, I'm really looking forward to talking about it. Um, I, I already have fa- a favorite bit. In I've said two ums already, and like Nikki has Girl, you like, can't oh, punish man. yourself for this. You are only a sweet human being, so you are. I'm gonna punish myself. But uh, I was so excited when mine, I pre-ordered mine from Kenny's, which we've talked about many times. They're a wonderful uh, independent bookshop in Galway. And they do, um, there, there we go again, but they do wonderful um, 
they get a lot of signed copies of books. They really help promote um, Irish writers. So I ordered the indie version from them and it's a beautiful mm. yellow cover and it's just beautiful and it's signed. And I'm like, this is going to be one of my most treasured books. And yeah, and I'm 100%. really, I'm, this is just a spoiler. I'm really enjoying it so far. I had to go to the dark side and buy it off Eason's. You told me you didn't get it in Eason's. No, I had to buy it in Eason's, but I have one on the way. Oh, that's I thought you bought court. it in the other shop in the present. No, they didn't have it. Oh, how weird is that? They le- they didn't have it. I was like, it's Sally Rooney Day. That's really weird. They didn't have it at all. Like new releases because I went in there first and I because I had I kind of I ran in on a mission because I had a copy on the way to Cork uh, that signed from Independent. And when I was like, when I was, I'm in Limerick for the week. And I was like, I have to read this on Tuesday specifically, have to get it. And I meant to go in at nine just to get a copy, get out. Cause I was like, it's going to be bedlam. And I went in instead at like one o'clock and I was like, oh my God, there's going to be no books left on the shelf. And I got in the door and you pass Eason's and there was a stack a ton I was like grand I'll go up to the other bookshop now and I get it there because I was like if if there was only one left in Easton's I would have just ran in and just mm. bought it immediately but no it's fine but yeah they didn't have them but then when I bought it off Easton's I did get a really cute button and a bookmark I know I mean I appreciate the button I would have loved a button um I did get a bookmark but I would love a button yeah, I, I mean, hate I've seen people it's so got grim. Tote bags. I know the tote bags are so cute. There, people are bag? going overkill with tote bags now, though. Like, I'm sorry, PSA. The point of a tote bag is you don't need a million of them. Yeah, you know, like you don't, it's, it's, you don't it's need to buy a them. Big thing though, because I've seen in when I was in Kenny's over the summer, they have like tote bags for like certain books coming out, and obviously, like that's a publisher thing. That's a decision made elsewhere and look you can get like my prized possession is my William and Shakespeare or Shakespeare and Company tote bag from so Paris jealous. my prized possession and I would buy another one from them but I hate that you can get them in tiger and like pennies like they're not that that's not the point of a tote bag like if you're getting one for two euro you're actually you're not you're not doing well fair trade wise <laughs> environmentally wise you're not doing well I hate that they're fast fashion now. Yeah, I mean, I prefer to get one that I know I'm absolutely going to worship and adore. And like the one I have is just a bit small for some uh, for things like I was able to put music books and things like that. But actually putting an actual fiction book in there, it's, yeah, it, doesn't, need- it doesn't quite work. So I'm like, I'm on the look for like a slightly bigger one. And I'm kind of waiting until like I get to, I'm hoping to go to Paris at some point this year. And I'm going to drag Mateo. He already knows. He's been forewarned. We're going oh, to yes. Shakespeare and Company. And, and you're you're going to get yourself a lovely I'm tote bag. I'm going to get a lovely tote bag from there. For forewarning, you can get the green one and be mm. Team Nikki. You can get the iconic blue one that everyone on Tumblr had and you can be Team Chloe. There may be another one that has since been released, but I have the green one. So I'll go in and be like, one. hey, my two friends have the blue and the green. I want to be special. <laughs> <laughs> I I know. Like, 
all it is with tote bags I speak to someone who has a lot of them because I've been caught at the grocers last year and I wouldn't want a plastic one and I go give me a tote mm. but like don't like I, I don't do that anymore just don't buy them for fashion just keep some in the bottom of your bag and just always keep one in the bottom of your bag I always yeah. have to make sure whenever I go shopping or like I think I might pick something up and don't buy them off pennies and zara and all this shit like it's oh it's so it's just if you if you buy one off pennies good for you if you buy two that's grand don't buy one for every season that's not the point of tote bags they take longer than recycling bags to deteriorate the point is that you can reuse it yeah (laughs) oh that's my rant over i'm sorry it's okay i read a really sad article on them this week so that's my feeling. Okay, I was wondering, I was like, I feel like something has inspired Something's this. Something's triggered this. <laughs> yeah. I, I just had a I just knew. I just know you too well. Yeah. That I was like, I I'm just gonna leave her rant because I feel like this is something that this needs to get needs, out. It needs Suck to get out. Venom out. And so I hope you all appreciated that. I did. So let's go to books. <laughs> You're up first. Woo-hoo. Okay. You've seen this cover. Mm. Um, I'm gonna leave the review on the front, okay? Uh, because you also know who the author is, and you know that the this author is, is who's the, the author? Cohen to the author. That's by Luz. Everyone stream it. She's from Dublin, I think. It's a great song. Ooh. But I really think of her because I've been feeling low. Oh no, that's not the lyrics. But anyway, go and stream that song. The author by Luz. Anyway, that was a nice save from my um my speech impediment <laughs> you don't have one so um, this is a book that I have seen a lot and it's one of the most beautiful covers I I, really I nice. do love I love the colors can and I give you the teeniest backstory just on the way the sun is yes she's um I'm saying am now she's like repaint or like reprinted this from a photo and it's actually her mom's leather work Oh, interesting. Because it looks it looks like it's got the effect of leather on the cover. Wow. Yeah. I really yeah. appreciate that fact. Mm-hmm. So uh, for the book, we haven't even announced what book it is. This is Sunset by Jesse Cave. And I I remember seeing this when it was released and just going, don't go near it. Nikki's gonna pick it up. Yeah, I just read by the cover. Book. It's a very Nikki cover book. I was like, I'm not gonna go near it. So um, on the cover, it's like a, it looks like a sunset almost. It is absolutely beautiful. It's got a beautiful um, pink sky, but it's like a very vivid pink. It's like the a, best almost, type of pink. Almost like a hot pink. And it's a hot but statement pink because it's yes. not neon it's really rich no it's a rich pink rich. I love that it's got a beautiful we found out leather um sun but it's kind of this beautifully orangey goldy color yeah it's and paper then, obviously on the book but yes, it's a photo because I mean but... we're no save the cows <laughs> and then um at the bottom is uh yellow kind of quite a it looks neon but that could be like whatever no uh, kind of is is it and then uh, sunset neon. sunset in big blue bold so on the top is a review from dolly alderton which love we, you dolly we covered recently and it is says heartbreaking funny and bittersweet a phenomenal debut so okay sunset this is quite hard 
Yeah. Now I did give Becca a small spoiler and I told her this is incredibly sad because I was in the middle of reading this when she came over and I was like, oh God. See, the thing is, though, I already know that. And I'm like, am I just going to disregard that? Potentially, yes. yes. <laughs> go with go with the go vibe. Go with my, the flow. <clears throat> and I'm going to say that this is... I'm going to say that this is about an elderly woman. Okay, I actually am going sad. I've decided in my mind, sorry. <laughs> this is I would about... I wouldn't surprised we didn't. <laughs> this is uh, about an elderly woman. And I'm going to say that she is living... Oh, what's a county we haven't covered? Tyrone. I'm going to say, oh, no, I was going to go kind of Connacht. Oh, um, and I was going to say that it's maybe she's in Mayo, Sligo. Oh. I'm going to go Sligo. Give oh, some it's the Sligo normal people, people of it all. So they got enough with normal people. Go somewhere else. <laughs> fine, I'll go back down to Mayo. Yes. Uh, so I'm going to say that this elderly woman, she is has been recently bereaved. Her husband of the last 50 years, maybe 55, has passed away. And I'm going to say that our protagonist is like she is like 95 and we're we're kind of seeing this book as like a memoir of her life, but also what's going on. And it's I'm going to say a little bit um the flow in the book is you you don't know is this past is this present for a little while you need to kind of get used to it and how her mind works mm. so we meet her and she is watching um a sunrise or sunset we don't know at the time from her beautiful house I'm going to say that they live on a kind of very coastal area and <gasps> it's very remote property value is going down mm. interesting so <laughs> Nikki is totally keeping on board with what I'm talking about. And she is watching the sunset or sunrise and having a mug of tea. And she's just contemplating life. And as the book goes on, we kind of see she's she contemplating the <clears throat> fact that her house is is depreciating. No, because she's in she's, a coastal town. She's going over her her marriage and how I'm going to say that maybe their her marriage didn't start off very well. I'm going to say that we find out that she had been in love with someone else and she'd gotten pregnant and he wouldn't marry her. So the family organized for her to marry someone else. Someone was like, yeah. And she immediately was like, I hate you. You're stopping me from marrying the man I love. And he's like, he has openly boasted that he's not marrying you. He had his way. And I mean, if she's 95, we're going back to the time where he's like, the alternative is a lot worse because it would have been the mother and baby homes. And she's reflecting on this and how we see that she did come to love her husband 100% completely and how he was incredibly supportive of her. Um, I'm going to say that we go back and we find out she went back to college. He supported her in that. And he got a lot of abuse for it from family members being like, Oh, like a woman's places in the home and things like that. But he just, she realizes that he loved her unconditionally from the moment he met her pretty much. It was love at first sight and her regretting how badly she treated him maybe for the first few years. So already really heartbreaking. And I'm going to say that a lot of these reflections happen when just something that might remind her of him. So I'm going to say that even sometimes she puts out two bowls for their breakfast and she's like, 
that's he's not here anymore and too big the frying pan you know it's just <laughs> just small things like that or even I know my my granny always gets my granddad's breakfast ready I think before hers so she'll cut his Aww. grapefruit for him and I'm even thinking of that or you know she she trips over his slippers and she's like do you know just oh. teeny tiny little um elements like that sad old people sad old people just break my heart so <laughs> we have no sadness for their lives we we <laughs> have that alone. going on we have that going on so she as that kind of her her grieving really and mourning the loss of her her partner and we we kind of get into her years going back to college uh she reflecting on how that she was a lot older than a lot of the you know young college students but how liberating she felt or how liberating she found the whole experience and that she'd always been told like oh, girls aren't meant for school like girls don't they're not as smart as men and her being just for the first time ever being told oh my god like this brilliant work or whatever original thoughts and things like that and actually feeling some self-worth and recognition for her own intelligence and kind of gets into maybe that she was inspired then to we find out that she maybe she went into lecturing herself and kind of worked in um further education for adults and I'm gonna say she was a powerhouse of a woman really what's your name I'm gonna say her name is going to go with Eileen I'm throwing it back to the switch that granny was amazing and I'm going to steal the name (laughs) so her name is Eileen and she so I mean already you're like powerhouse of a woman now we're going to get sad again all right we we were applauding her we flash to her present life a lot and we see that her kids completely undermined her and that they just think that she can't look after herself and I mean obviously that it would be a natural worry if your parent was 95 but they purposely do things to try and put her in a home so they can sell the house and she's like this is the last thing I have that reminds me of your father and oh Becca I'm depressed it's it's really sad I'm sorry it's really sad and she's you know, we kind of see that horrible kind of fighting between the two and that they talk at her rather than with her anymore. And she's like, I am your mother, you know? Yeah. Like, yes, I, I know you're, lives. I know you're adults and yes, I will absolutely take on your opinions and everything like that, but it is a hundred percent my decision. And I mean, there's horrible situations where they bring the family doctor to the house and they're like, we think she has dementia. And she's like, what the hell do you know and I mean the doctor's obviously like I see her like once a week she's absolutely fine yeah and just horrible situations where she's just this complete disconnect and she's like when did this happen so it's kind of exploring her the family relationship now that things have changed she's got older children they have lives of their own and kind of yeah that they just don't think we're that like like that so I'm going to say that it all comes to a head and she is going to be moved into 
a nursing home, she's lost the battle. And I'm going to say that she's had a horrible fall down the stairs or something like that, even though I was imagining a bungalow, but she's had a horrible fall, maybe not down the stairs. She's had a horrible fall and she has, I think, broken her hip. And this is like the last, it's the nail in the coffin. She is going to be moving into a nursing home the following day. And I'm going to say that her last, the last chapter in the book is her um, falling to sleep, falling asleep, but actually she passes away in her sleep and it's her dreaming of her husband. And I'm going to say he arrives in the dream to take her away. Oh, Becca, And it's it happens at sunset. So yeah, Becca, no, that's my very sad story for this book. And do you know what? Now I'm I, thinking about dying alone. <laughs> I, I'm I'm gonna just say Eileen. I'm gonna name her husband Tom. I I I just their love no, story was nice. beautiful. Their their love like story was beautiful, and yeah, she's living happily in no. heaven. Oh, stop. With She's her. still alive and kicking and having a great old time and teaching. And like, no, I hate that so much. <laughs> I see the Are thing with this. No, I'm not. But I'm like upset. <laughs> um, The thing with sad books, I hate them. I hate them. I don't like being made sad. Mm. Um, and I don't like having feelings about people leaving because I know they're all going to eventually. And it just breaks. It like literally tears me in two. Right now I'm like, oh, I'm like, what if, what if I miss tripping over Emmett's shoes? <laughs> that would be a sad day because I, I don't miss that right now. See, the thing um, is, though, I don't, knowing Emmett from the times I've been over there, Emmett's very tidy. He puts his stuff away. It's you. It's, his, it's the Burks will lie around. The sure. Burks are a weapon. Girl, no, I no, no. It's the, the only of... thing I can complain. He's because he is a tidy boy. He is. But like, girl, the amount of times he's given out to you because he's like, these shoes, put them away, Nikki. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Emmett, you're some man for one man. Go on. I know. You're some man for one man, isn't you? Um, is. So Sunset by Jesse Cave. Um. Now, I will preface this. I don't like sad books. And this book took me a while to get through because mm. they they just they they affect me. I, and, and it's in a way that I can't bounce back from right away. <laughs> so this book is, well, it's about Ruth and Hannah. Um, our protagonist is Ruth. She is the, the narrator of this. And their sisters, um, Ruth is in her early 20s and Hannah is like kind of around 28. They love each other very, very, very much. They are so close. The closest person either of them has is each other. Hmm. Ruth in particular, or in particular, I was going to say Ruth in particular. In, in, Ruth, in particular. oh my God, <laughs> I do have a speech development. I'm rubbing Ruth, off on you. In particular, is who who is our narrator, hmm. Um, is very, she thinks she's a cold person. And she doesn't really have that many people around her that she likes to keep close other than her sister, Hannah. Whereas Hannah is very bright, bubbly, like has an awful lot of friends. And um, it's kind of she's more affected by things like kind of societal values. Like she'll get stressed and kind of try and be prim and proper all the time, whereas Ruth really doesn't give a fuck. And uh, Hannah is like vegan and trying to be as environmentally friendly as she can. But then when it's just the two of them, she might eat like a hamburger and like 
<laughs> she's very performative and she cares an awful lot about the people around her and also what the people around her think of her. Whereas Ruth is very one man, one man band. She's absolutely fine with everyone being away from her except Hannah. So every year they go on a budget holiday that Hannah drags them on uh, to spend time together. And like Hannah organizes the whole thing. And like they go through the airport and Hannah will keep an eye on the tickets and the passports and we'll have everything. Like Ruth is like her child when they go on holidays. It's, mm. it's, it's really cute. And um, they go on holiday and they're taught you, you you meet them as they're as they're going through the airport and they're talking away about what they're going to do They're You you get flash forwards to their on holiday and they're on the beach. You get a flashback to like a memory of when they were kids. And on this holiday, there is uh, cliff divers and Hannah sees them and is like, oh, my God, we have to do that. We'd get amazing photos. They'd be gorgeous. And Ruth is like, I'm not doing that. What the hell? And they go up and Ruth is still like, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. And Hannah convinces her and it's like, we'll get an amazing photo. And Ruth's like, I don't want a photo. Do not take a photo of me. So Ruth jumps off the cliff to appease Hannah because Hannah is just determined that this is going to be the best way to spend the holiday. And Ruth gets to the bottom, climbs back up. She's kind of shook, but she's like, no, I'm fine. And when she gets up to the top, Hannah is kind of like, um, I think we'll go now and Ruth is like no you made me jump <laughs> you have to jump and she's like no no no, I think we're okay now well, let's go get food and she starts to chicken out and Hannah is, or Ruth is like Hannah you really wanted a photo of you jumping off the cliff you're the one who made me do that you have to do it too and Hannah jumps off the cliff Ruth takes a gorgeous like everyone kind of refers to this as one of the most beautiful photos they've ever seen the sun sets in the background Hannah's jumping off the cliff and Hannah doesn't doesn't bob back up from the water. No. I knew this was going to end badly. No. Yeah. We immediately, like, all we know is that Hannah hasn't risen to the surface. We're immediately brought back on another uh, flashback. And this is actually when I was really bold and I skipped ahead a couple of pages so that I knew, oh, my God, please don't be dead. But no, she's she's after dying. She hits her head on the rocks and um, it's really brutal. I am. I'm going to like this happens very early on in the book. And the scenes where she's being taken out of the water are really visceral. They're very hard to read. And very, very, very upsetting. This book is upsetting. Um, this book goes on and is the story just of someone healing from grief. Yeah. That's its story. That that actually happens by about page 40. And this book is how many pages long? Um, 408 pages long. So we're now introduced to Ruth uh, properly and on the type of person she feels she is without Hannah. Ruth's always viewed herself as cold, that any good times she has, Hannah's kind of made her do them. She thinks Hannah is like, like basically Hannah is kind of the perfect sister, the perfect daughter, the perfect friend. She cares an awful lot. And Ruth doesn't feels like she's lost all of that those qualities not just in Hannah but also in the bits of Hannah that reflected on herself um right when they were on holiday the last thing that happens between the two of them is there Ruth is a little bit upset with her 
because Hannah announced Hannah kind of says oh would you mind if like my boyfriend Rowan came along and Ruth was kind of like no I wouldn't like that at all and she's like oh no no please please and she's like no like this is our holiday and it turns out Hannah's already asked him and he's on his way over so Rowan arrives at just shortly after Hannah's been pulled from the water and he's ringing Ruth and Ruth doesn't like doesn't want to talk to him she can't bring herself to talk to him and she goes to the hospital and when she comes back to the hotel he's obviously been told by the hotel staff and the two of them who they, it's not that they don't get along Ruth is quite jealous of Hannah and kind of doesn't like that Hannah has a boyfriend <laughs> she's mm. very like that's my sister and the two of them have this really dysfunctional relationship and they're both as devastated as the other um so this book moves we go through flashbacks and current current events the flashbacks are really gorgeous they introduce us to Hannah's charity that she started paperback kids and it's to get kids reading and get them school books and get childcare for families so that they can bring their kids to school and like get help with their homework and this charity is now just being left empty there the building is gone and there's like a little note from one of the kids saying I miss you Hannah the the, the community is devastated by the loss we meet Hannah's best friend Ruth who um does not get along with or no sorry no, it's like Bruce's two characters yeah, yeah. named Ruth. <laughs> no, no, we got it. We got it. You got it. Got it. <laughs> we met. Ha- we meet Hannah's best friend, who her and Ruth don't get along really. Ruth thinks she's really fake, and it's kind of like, how did Hannah ever put up with her? Um, we then are introduced to the family, and the family dynamics quite unusual. The uh, mum and dad are separated now, and the memories that Hannah and uh, Ruth have of their parents are very splintered and kind of fractured. Mm. Her mom is actually a failed actress and her dad is a struggling writer and money when it wouldn't have been an issue before is kind of all of a sudden an issue. So one of the first kind of events in the book is that they want to sell the flat where Hannah was living and Ruth can't believe it. She's like, it's way too soon, but it's actually been six months. Ruth has kind of been in a time in a time warp and I won't tell you much more about this book because to be honest not an awful lot happens in a sense there's not many events this is the real this is as real as grief gets Mm -hmm. this book is very heavy it's a character who you just want to grab and take out of this pain but they're stuck there and it's not a it's not a quick recovery. It's not linear. She doesn't all of a sudden get OK with this. She has these really devastating like climbs and falls along the way. And so does Rowan, the boyfriend. And um, yeah, this book, it, it, it'll devastate you. And I'm not going to give you much more on it. Mm. <laughs> oh, OK, now what I will say, what I loved about this book Uh, The writing is very, very good. And our author, Jesse Cave, is actually the actress for Lavender Brown in the Harry Potter series. Mm. She's a fantastic writer. She's absolutely brilliant. And I kind of was struck throughout the book by how real the grief felt and how raw and some of like she has a line where she's like, oh, like, do people know now that I don't have a sister? 
that do people know that I used to have a sister and now I don't have a sister and she feels like people around her kind of know what she's feeling all Mm. the time and she's pushing relationships away and she's acting very impulsively to kind of feel something there's an awful lot happens here that just it feels really like you're watching this happen to a friend it's really devastating and real and then the moments where the love is back and she's grateful for the times they had are the realest and this book it it's just the only reason it's hard to read is because of the subject matter but it's handled absolutely amazingly really delicately um in the times it needs to be and really raw in the times where it it can't be anything else um and after reading this book there's a gorgeous um acknowledgement section on the back and uh Jessie actually wrote this for her sister Bebe who is her uh she's her amazing baby sister who I wished for on dandelions every morning on the way to school until one day she was here and she laughed like no other I fight with her like no other my best friend she helped me edit the book in the early stages shaky stages and without her I would not have been able to write it nor have had the strength to I am at happiest when watching her work and I can't wait to see what she goes on to create Oh, and she's so lovely really beautiful and then this um this is the very last page of the acknowledgement she thanks an awful lot of people and all the thank yous are actually like as pleasant as the rest of the book they're just lovely um this is jesse cave's last thank you in this book and i'm gonna read the whole thing for you so this book is in memory of my wonderful and magical brother ben who died tragically in an accident in 2019 He was just 27. I miss him every second. We all do and will do for forever. And I'm not, I I don't think I'm going to read. There's a poem that he wrote that she inserts in the back. And uh, I think I want you to go and get this book and support Mm -hmm. this amazing author. I want you to read the poem. I think this is just such an amazing example of what grief does and how it feels and also like how much love there is for your siblings and you never like you annoy each other and you never imagine you're going to ever be without them Mm. um my my favorite detail when I was thinking back on this book when we first meet Hannah I was a little bit like oh she's too perfect she's kind of it's like the kind of thing with the good sister and the bad sister and it's like it's very over the top but it it makes sense you're seeing Hannah through Ruth's eyes for this whole book and you're seeing this amazing person that she's just lost Hmm. and uh, when you are in the first stages of grief it's all about like you miss every single good moment yeah. every single one and they're the ones you hold on to and they're the ones that hurt the most and as the book goes on and she starts to deal with it and starts to actually kind of rationalize their relationship you see that Hannah's a normal girl there's things that Hannah did that piss Ruth off so much and there's things that Ruth does that Hannah loses her temper with and you can like Hannah becomes much more real as the book goes on and it's oh it's beautifully handled just stunning stunning book but I will say that if I knew it was going to be this sad I actually mightn't have picked it up okay. because I I wouldn't I wouldn't do this to myself <laughs> but I'm glad I did because Jessie Cave like girl what a writer what an absolutely beautiful tribute it's stunning so 
I'll just quickly grab, I had her bio up here and I closed Google Chrome. So Jessie Cave is an actress, writer and illustrator, best known for playing Lavender Brown in the Harry Potter films. She's had three critically acclaimed and sellout solo shows, the most recent of which Sunrise has had several runs of the Soho Theatre and toured nationally in 2019. She's featured on 8 out of 10 Cats Does Countdown and Comedy Central's Roast Battle, as well as appearing regularly on Sky One's Trolleyed. Other drama credits include Call the Midwife, Black Mirror and Glue. She has also had a book of illustrations published titled Lovesick in 2016. Mm. So Homegirl's gone on and done an awful lot. And this is a- I remember hearing that she'd gone on and like she had completely I, I'd heard about, I think, her her um standalone like shows and things like that being absolutely phenomenal and that she'd kind of broached into like writing and um yeah it was only when you told me you were reading it and I remember I was like that name sounds familiar and I, and I looked her up and I was like look her oh up it was you told me and mm. I, I wouldn't have known until I was done the book um it's fab it's really no really, I'm I'm really, really I'm I actually do want to read that It'll yeah be I really want to know yeah list. I really want to know more about sunrise because that's the play and this is obviously mm. sunset um I'd love to know if they're kind of correlated because uh, I don't know right now. No, it know. sounds it sounds amazing. And I think that it's a tribute to her her own brother who died um, so tragically. I just think I mean, one that is probably one of the hardest things she's probably ever had to do, um, do you know, and a lot of it is. You know, she's it's her own grief and that that's yeah. inspired this, because um, I think a lot of the times a lot of a lot of people and even a, in a lot of reviews, a lot of people just assume that it's it's all biographical details in a book and yeah and like if you look into her like try don't google her properly until you've read this book because mm. I don't know what spoilers lie out there but there's an awful lot of articles like she was really in the middle of like she was in an awful lot of interviews about her grief and she revealed that, like, you know, she didn't tell her children when her brother died or, because they're they're only like um, six and four. And she actually didn't tell them because she said the pandemic is draws so many parallels to grief already. Mm. And it's she's just I don't think people like people are ready to talk about grief the way that she is. Yeah. And I I just really commend her. I'm really happy I read it now, but I, I Jesse, I could have done with the warning girl. <laughs> you hit me hard. Well, I mean, we've we've talked a lot about content warnings and yeah. I'm still a firm believer they should be on a book. But um yeah, no, I, I do. I'm very I'm very interested in reading that. And I have I have seen like a lot of people saying it's amazing, but I just haven't read anything mm-hmm. about it because I knew you were gonna be covering it. So yes. Now you have the, the license to go and read Thank you. and just be a little bit more prepped for heaviness than I was. <laughs> yes. So I'm going to send you my book. Yay. This is also a book that I want to read. Yeah. I got there first. So. <laughs> okay. Magpie by Elizabeth Day. I wanted to read this so bad and I actually didn't know this was on your radar until you posted that um, TikTok on your Instagram. Yeah. I was like, that fuck. <laughs> the thing is, though, I, this has been on my radar for months. Yeah, I just didn't know. And, it was also on mine. And um, I think it was because I'd read a review from Marion Keys about it. 
And then it popped up on NetGalley. I requested it straight away. They were like, no, we got declined for that one. I was like, damn you to the bits of hell. Ah! Um, so this is one that I've been so looking forward to. I literally, the day it was released, I ran to a Mahanese. I was like, I'm going to treat myself to this book. And did right. I'm so happy that I did. Dead right. I actually, it's so funny. I had no idea what this was about. There's a lot of books that I jump into blindly and that the cover is just like, I need to read this. The mm. cover just leads me. Um, I, I I do be judging books by their covers, Becca. I know you do. I do be. That's kind of our job. So look, it, it prepares me well. Um, so Mag by, by Elizabeth Day. First of all, again, another really trendy color. It's this gorgeous mint green kind of very similar kind of mint green blue turquoisey mix mm. that's very vibrant I think and it's very similar welcome, to grown-ups yeah I think it's such a welcome relief from like we've been seeing a lot of orange oh girl I just had an orange book but you know what Jessie Cave is allowed her book is called Sunset more, you had three you had a tricolor kind of thing going yeah on. but her it her book up. is called Sunset if anyone's allowed orange <laughs> you know but it, it's it's a nice like this is it really catches your eye for being like very different to what else is it out. really does it's so. great and so magpie it's elizabeth j who's the best-selling author of the party and on the cover there is a feather um and it's if you've seen the magpie feathers they're kind of this blue tinged black with a little hint of white there's actually like almost a perfect spot of white on this it's mm. really gorgeous and I love the title and immediately I'm going a little bit old wives tale now I do as far as I are remember are you not going to talk about the shadow that's portrayed by the feather oh <gasps> did you know I, that? I didn't notice that I didn't notice that the first time I ever looked at the cover oh, and then I was like oh. oh my god how did I no- notice that oh my god what a good cover there's a shadow Very behind the feather smart. of a woman's face yeah and it's so subtle that's it's so subtle but very it's good. so clever I was very I was saying I appreciate the detail here I well done, that is say. Yeah. your team did a good job here yeah that's very good that's a great cover mm, I think I this is in one of our one of our top five covers yes yes okay so I think I'm gonna get a little bit old wives tale okay um I do think this is crime from what I've it kind of it's it's the crime font magpie if, if that was in red I'd be like that's a crime book but I don't know I think this is gonna be a little bit murder mm, is it even I think okay magpie is about a serial killer who is targeting women and I think it comes somehow the name comes from that like one for sorrow two for joy for a girl four for a boy and that's that's the other thing magpies are also drawn to shiny things aren't they yes yes they're the birds that will steal stuff yeah so somehow there's that's also involved i don't know how yet but hmm. this is hard i think this is a good old catch-em novel where we know the detective really, really well. And the detective is really phased by a certain bunch of crimes, like extremely phased. Do you know those books when it's like this detective can't have this energy going into every investigation, but this is the one. (laughs) This is the one where they crack it and they make it their whole life. So 
I think the detective behind this is um, a woman officer. I think she's in her late 50s and she's very close to retiring. But this magpie murderer um, has the magpie murders. Sounds a bit better. Oh, okay. The magpie murders are an old cold case from like one of her first cases that she just never got to crack. And now close to retirement, they kind of they taunt her a little bit. And right as she opens the cold case file on the magpie murders, another murder happens. It's like she's being extremely closely watched. And with the first few murders, they went up to seven. Okay. Oh, that's, that is a murder, lot. Yeah. The first murder was one person, two people, yeah. three people, four, five, six, and up to seven. And the thing with the murders, the thing that made it very hard for them to catch was that they were very easy to think of as accidents. So I think the first murder, one for sorrow, was a suicide I think the second murder, two for Joy, was um, maybe like kind of a freak accident, kind of almost like cliff diving, maybe. Okay. Three for a girl. Was it three girls? I don't know. (laughs) I think each of the murders started to correlate it. And maybe she's actually the detective who came up with the theory. Okay. She kind of goes, hmm, there's something weird here. And it's quite a weird thing to cop to. And maybe people didn't really buy it. They were like, that sounds like a reach. And some of the murders were classed together. But this magpie thing, it was like, that's really fucking weird. <laughs> like no one's that twisted. Except when the next murder happens, there's a clue left behind with her initials. And it says one for sorrow. And Ooh. knowing like her theory was right, knowing where that went the first time, she's now got to save how many victims? Two plus three is five plus four is nine. <laughs> she's got to save a lot of people because this isn't seven murders. This is seven events where the number of murders rises every time. So our detective, her name is Gwyneth. Okay. And Gwyneth has Gwyneth is the victim of a calling card anyway at the crimes. It says one for sorrow and it's got like GD because it's like Gwyneth Dalton. Dalton. Yeah. Gwyneth Dalton. And she is horrified. She starts to kind of try and figure out what the other clues could be. And she links them to she links the investigation to robberies that are happening where rings are being stolen and are being like like all at once like there's one ring cashed into a pawn shop there's two rings cashed into a pawn shop it's doing the same pattern of numbers are very important in this they're very 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 important Mm. and um as the as they go into the pawn shop it just gets more and more and more and more and more fucked up because (laughs) this murder is following this really age-old thing and he really is inspired by magpies but i think what actually happens is maybe initially he was inspired by something like the fibonacci sequence and he was being total da vinci code Dan brown boy <laughs> and she misconstrued it maybe got her numbers wrong a little bit and thought it was magpie so his big reveal is that like you created me like you perfected the art of the kill for me you made this make sense because he was trying to paint a picture and she's the only one that understands him and he's 
really twisted yeah it's weird and I think like when she like finds him he's got like feathers taped under his arms like these weird this weird beak for some reason (laughs) that no one like acknowledges he's got a super villain costume his serial serial killer costume he's like I have become the magpie "Ah!" Um, do you know the vision I'm getting is in Always Sunny when they're they're like fight milk <laughs> or when they're the birds of prey and they like go into the wrestling ring dressed as like eagles <laughs> I think I think this book is about a really fucked up bird man the end I'm proud of that one I mean you had something and then <laughs> the costume came in and Gwyneth Dalton can... is a all... fantastic name for a uh, a struggling, soon-to-retire detective who's got one last case. But all I can imagine is a man, like, I'm going to say a dirty man. I'm, I'm <laughs> going to say he has not washed because like, birds just, like, you know, soak themselves underwater. Like, he's not used soaped in year, soap in years. And I'm seeing he has literally collected bird feathers and he has super glued it to his skin oh and they're really smelly they are smelly and he He sits on eggs (laughs) he has fashioned himself a beak out of god knows what i really hope he didn't kill any birds in the process of that he sits on eggs i'm just hoping he's wearing boxers because like no one needs to be flashing (laughs) no one needs to be flashing like but yeah magpie man wow yeah the magpie man now, I actually, I think I've read a book by Anthony Horowitz that is The Magpie Murders. <laughs> uh, no, is that not The Moon? No, he has another one. I'm fairly certain oh. it's The Magpie something. I'm going to give you um, that when you're talking. But anyway, you are very wrong. <laughs> this isn't a murder book at all. Um, oh, you're right. Yes, thank you. Oh. Uh, I read it years ago. I can't really remember it, but... This book, uh, it's only published in the last seven days. Um, I think it's out a week now. It was published on the 2nd of September. And as I mentioned previously, this is a book that I've been eyeing sorry, for months. And um, I was devastated not to have gotten it off Nick Ellie. It's like, damn you. Oh. But um, there was a, like a lot of hype about it, a lot of praise. And um, yeah, so the plot of this, I don't, I can't really talk that much about the plot. I can really only tell you what the blurb says because there is a huge twist in the book. And yeah. So what we have is we meet Marissa and she is madly in love with Jake. They've only been going out a few months. I'm going to say maybe it's three to six months. And Mm -hmm. she's like, he is the one. I love him. He loves me unconditionally. He's He's the first person who she thinks like understands her who um it's it's just a really she feels like it's just so simple what they have and Mm. that he doesn't push her for things everything's just very easy with him so they've only been going out a few months but they decide to move in together and they move into this beautiful house and i mean already i'm like okay warning signs (sighs) That's that's pretty quick to be moving in with someone. That'd be me with Emmett. I wanted to move in day one. I I trust you. I'm the crazy I, girlfriend. I, I, I loved Emmett when I met him. I was like, oh, yeah. 
wonderful man. I hope he listens to this and be like, Good boy. I forgive you for all your man bashing. This is your praise, Emma. This is your you praise, Emma. And he doesn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> but so they decide to move in together and they decide they want to have a baby. So, I mean, the moving in together, you're like, okay. I you can get past that. that. You, it might but be a lease. Together, yeah, that's a bit oh, intense. Quickly, that is a big step forward mm. that's a, that's a big move so they immediately start trying and um jake has an amazing job he's in some kind of finance um position but it he is a big earner let's say he is a wealthy wealthy man he comes from kind of privilege and he is able to afford most of the rent on this house they're they're renting it they haven't bought it and suddenly this this deal he's working on falls through he, he tells her this and they need to rent the spare room and she's like yeah that's absolutely fine like I don't want to put us under pressure blah blah and this woman their lodger Kate moves in mm-hmm. and immediately Kate seems absolutely lovely and you're like oh okay oh she seems sweet and then she Marissa oh, starts no. noticing that she she gets a little bit too you know, she's a bit too familiar with the two of them. She's she, like she... gluing feathers to her skin. <laughs> no, stop that. She she starts kind of putting herself into situations that involve her and Jake, or sorry, Marissa and Jake. And she's like, what is she doing? She she gets overly comfortable in the house. You know, it's just little things that niggle at her until, you know, she actually seems like overly um overly involved in their lives and it kind of gets to a point where you know marissa is now pregnant and kate is equally as overjoyed and she's like what the fudge and then she's like okay kate and jake are getting really close what's going on and we're like so that's that's kind of it and I, that's all I'm going to give a f- oh my away, god really. so it's it's very like that's that's pretty much the blurb and I know people are going to be like oh my god but honestly if I said any more like I would be giving away the book oh my so god so it is it is very what I'd say is this book is so cleverly done um like I've read a lot of kind of thriller genres things like that and this book the twist came as such a shock for me. And then looking back, I'm like, why didn't I guess that this is going to happen? But I, it's just the way that Elizabeth Day wrote it that I was like, oh my God, this is clever. It comes at such a perfect time in the book that you're like, you're completely oh, just I have flabbergasted. And I, I was just like, oh my God. So it is, it, and it's so psychological. Like you are there doubting like who you should believe who's telling the truth it is just like like there's so many situations in the book that you're like oh my god that, oh, oh i have to it, read it this was, what the it hell was, there were so many tense moments that i'm like oh my god so yeah it is it is a really good thriller i was like oh my god and yeah so it does it switches narratives um quite a few times in the book which very easy to follow you're immediately kind of you get to know characters really well and then you're kind of switched around but it's coming showing different points of view so again kind of leads into like who do who should I believe and what I'm going to say about the book I'm not really going to use names from this point on because I don't want to give it away but a lot of this book is to do with obsession and it's really it is it's really well done and really really um 
well written. I mean, I am going to say that there's kind of a, a slightly negative point. The f- it's split into, I think, three, four parts. The first part of the book, it's it's kind of short. It's the opening, obviously. I was kind of, I that first part I found hard to get through. And I'm glad I did. I'm glad I persevered. And I will kind of warn people who are going to go out and read it. I've, I've since writing it and then I wrote my review and then I kind of, um, I don't think I mentioned it actually in that, but I, I went and checked other reviews. I was like, other people feel similar. The first part was kind of difficult to get through, but hang on in there because from the second part on, like just at the end of the first part and then from that point on, you are hooked. And I mean, mm. hooked. It is so good. So it's, it's just a little point to kind of say, hang on in there. But we, the one thing that I would absolutely applaud Elizabeth Day for, and just it is an amazing bit that makes up such a huge portion of the book is the theme of infertility. Oh, yeah. And it's the way she writes it. It is completely empathetic. It is highlighting the loss, the grief, the struggle, the anger, the the kind of the feelings of failure and shame that a woman can experience going through um, infertility or fertility treatments. And it's just it's utterly overwhelming how well she writes this how raw it is it is as you said in your um sunset review this is visceral like it is brutal at times I will say it gets a little bit gory I mean she doesn't hold back in telling us what happens with miscarriages and things like that and I was still gripped by her writing because you just you felt how much pain the characters was going through Mm -hmm. and seeing how this was completely eating them alive and I'm going to say like that's what I mean by the obsession like this obsession with her infertility mm-hmm. that kind of goes through the book and seeing the character seeing herself as damaged and not good enough for her partner anymore and it is just it's it's so beautifully written and it's so painful to read and I mean, I'm going to talk about a, an interview that Elizabeth Day did in a minute, but I mean, it is just something that I've never seen written like this before. And it was just completely mind blowing. And I mean, it's something that I think a lot of women are aware of that, you know, you don't know if you're going to go through these issues until you start trying for a baby. And, you know, people say, oh, you've only just started, like it takes a year, it takes a while. And then feeling like I'm running out of time and you know this biological clock idea that I mean you begin to get incredibly stressed it I mean the strain it has on a relationship is another thing and a lot of the times when I've heard about infertility treatment it is about the relationship it's not actually how it would affect a woman going through it Mm -hmm. and it's kind of always I think that thing whenever infertility is talked about that the man has to be included for it to be taken seriously or for it to be mm-hmm. talked about so hence why they talk about the relationship rather than the strain it has on a woman and I think yes they do talk about the strain on the relationship and the strain on her partner going through it but the focus is on the woman herself and I just God. really loved that and I really I really just was like wow I would have to say like props to Elizabeth Day because it is just it is amazing this was actually inspired by Elizabeth Day's own infertility struggles and I'm actually going to read, there's an amazing interview that I found 
uh, when I was doing my research the other day um, about this book and it's with Refinery29, um, an interview oh, with good. Elizabeth Elizabeth Day um, with Mabel Morgan. And it's from the 2nd of September. And when I say like I read this interview and it is just amazing. And um, so I'm going to read out a passage, but I would highly recommend please looking it up. Uh, please look it up. It's just amazing. So she writes, I've made no secret of the fact that I've been on a long and somewhat arduous path with infertility. I think some people can get so hung up on the idea of becoming a parent that it can drive them into really uncomfortable places in the soul. It can make you very obsessive and very traumatized because you're processing a lot of grief about the life that you thought you would have. And immediately that like just rings true with this book. There's a lot of grief in it. But she also goes on to about why she wrote about this. So she says after her most recent miscarriage, uh, she used it as a as a means of creation um, to bring uh, meaning to her trauma. So she writes, I set out to write with the intention of putting fertility into a novel in a way that I hadn't seen done before, she says. When I first started going through fertility stuff and I had a couple of rounds of IVF unsuccessfully. I went to my local bookshop as I wanted a book to help me through and to tell me what was going to happen. There was nothing but ream upon ream of mother and baby books and nothing for anyone else. I felt really excluded. And while that's happily changed in the nonfiction space, I don't feel that fiction has caught up with it yet. And I think that fiction is a vehicle for such a profound degree of emotional truth. Fab. It's just wow. And I mean... I did not know that going into this book. And when I found that, I was just like, to put your own or to find meaning in your own trauma by writing this book, I just, it amazes me. And I think the personal strength of character of, because I mean, this would have been so painful to write. Yeah. And the same with Jesse Cave. They're amazing. Exactly. So, I mean, this. It's just, it is so well written. And I, I think that's why I'm so happy I stuck with it because from part two onwards, when this kind of brings up, I was like, oh my God, this is just amazing. So that I'm I'm going to move on for the, from the infertility, but it also kind of talks about mothers, um, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, and we meet uh, a few different mothers um, and we kind of see that, you know, it kind of applauds their dedication to their children, their love of their children, putting their children first there. And it, it also kind of delves into that obsession that mothers can have with their children when it's gone too far, when boundaries have been crossed. And we kind of see that where um, Jake's mother's involved. She's a piece of work, Annabelle. So she is. And she's really well done. And you're like, oh, mother of mother-in-law from hell kind of thing. But it, it's just so interesting, um, like really that kind of motherhood, infertility, uh, the pathway to motherhood isn't the same for everybody. And um, yeah, it's just amazing. Mental illness is also brought into it. And it's not, um, doesn't feature as much as infertility or motherhood in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is written about, it was one point that I was, I was a little bit kind of, humming and hawing about that I was like okay I feel like it's going to be a big thing and then it kind of recedes quite quickly mm-hmm. and um you know that it could have been a decision to be made that there would have been too much going on in the book I don't know I'm you know I'm not <laughs> involved in the editing process do you know um but just something to kind of uh be aware of in the book but 
I mean, I, I absolutely adored this book. And I mean, it is, there are some, I mean, it's messy. There's a lot of messy stuff going on. And then the ending comes around and I want it to be equally as messy. And I just was like, let's <laughs> just package it up too neat for me. I just want, oh, chaos. you know, but then, you know, if it was like that, then I'd probably be like, oh, why couldn't it all be happy and light? And they all go off into the sunset and blah, you know. I mean, there's no winning sometimes when you're writing. And I just, oh, I, I'm really looking, this is, I think, her fourth novel. And I just, I really want to read the rest of her stuff because I really loved this book. And I would say absolutely read her, um, the interview. Um, I think there's a few others, but this was the one that I was like, wow. I, I just got a sense of her properly. Do you yeah. know, a lot of the times there's, just you know background information is just promoting the book and you never really get a sense of who the author is and that just Mm -hmm. I was like wow and um hearing about the her and how she wrote this is just amazing a little bit about Elizabeth Day um because she is I'm gonna say she is a fab woman I'm she is an amazing woman so Elizabeth Elizabeth Day is an award-winning author and broadcaster Elizabeth's chart-topping podcast, How to Fail, is a celebration of the things that haven't gone right. According to Stylist Magazine, I actually have seen it. I've seen it on my recommended podcasts for months, if not for the last like few years. I'm following now. So I'm going to have to listen to this now. Um, According to Stylist Magazine, she has revolutionized the way we see failure. Um, which is, again, something that's brought into this book. Guests have included Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Gloria Steinem, Andrew Scott, Lily Allen, Mabel, um, Malcolm Gladwell, including many others. So, I mean, amazing guests. I think her most recent one was actually uh, Jackie Wilson. There's a Marion Keys. There's oh, a Marion Keys. We're going to have to. So she, uh, we're going to have to listen to it. So it won the Rising Star Award at the 2019 British Podcast Awards. So well done to her. Um, so she also has a book called Philosophy, Philosophy, a handbook for when things go wrong. And yeah, her, I mean, she has won many awards with her books. I mean, her her bio, look up her her um, website. She is an amazing woman and she grew up in Northern Ireland and her first job was for the Dairy Journal. So she is a Northern Irish gal. Ooh. And yeah, she just amazing. I mean, to be honest, after reading this, the urge to message her privately on Instagram, Twitter was very high and just say like, hi, sorry to bother you, but I just, your book was amazing. Like the, you talking about infertility just blew me away and the urge is still there. So if she listens to this <laughs> and like if, at all, which she won't because like she's a very busy woman. <laughs> I would just be like, you are someone I stand. And I love discovering authors that maybe I've seen their books and just never never picked up and just finding out like, oh, I, I like now I like, know the hype. Stand this woman. And I love it. And I stand am this a, woman. I am one with the hype. Yeah. So <laughs> I'd probably give I'd probably give this book eight out of ten. Um so Lovely. it's very high. It is really good. I would recommend it. And I would recommend that interview. I'm gonna listen to her podcast um because i'm going to be doing a lot more uh driving and things like that when i'm back to work and i am ah oh, just amazing you she's love also, Day and she's also a judge for the women's prize for fiction oh for this year so i mean well done to her and i saw her dress because i started following her on instagram i saw her dress for the event and i was like 
she's a style icon as oh, well. Amazing. So, I mean, sorry, this is whenever I love a book or like I fall in love with the author because <gasps> I read about them. I just them, Googled her and she's beautiful. Oh my God, wow. an intelligent, smart queen. And I'm sorry, whenever I fall in I'm sorry, I finished my sentence because this is what happens when I fall in love with an author or a book and just, especially I think what I was saying earlier, it's the author herself. It's not just their work, you know, finding out that they're an amazing human being, that mm-hmm. things like that, which she is. And I suddenly start rambling and I stand and I apologize. <laughs> Um, if that is a if that irks you but I also I'm not sorry but <laughs> so yeah so she's up there with like uh Caroline O'Donoghue Marion Keyes um Dearney Grifa like just Fab. powerhouses of women and I just love them. well there's amazing Irish women like what the fuck amazing sorry I that's oh. I think that's another reason why I love the podcast is like discovering all of these authors and their work and I'm like I love you. Like this be this is just like a love letter to all of my favorite authors. Yes, this is all the podcast is. We just simp and stan. Yeah. Simp and stan is way we go. Simp and stan episode. Pretty much. It pretty much is. <laughs> I think that's the title. I think that's the title. The I was gonna go stan. with Birdman, but I think Simp and Stan is better. The Simp and Stan. And how dare you talk even try to bring in a bird person into this book. <laughs> oh um, this was a lovely episode this was a lovely episode and I hope to god I said ums a lot less than usual I'd say not I I I I was trying a lot more I I tried very hard this morning to do that but uh we hope you enjoyed please uh uh, go (laughs) check us out Uh, on social media stop it uh on social media Uh. we're on stop it oh my god Nikki (laughs) don't make me mute you so we are on Instagram, the Grim Reader Podcast. There's our own personal bookstagram pages. We're on Twitter, which we're not as active on. There's our story graphs. There is Goodreads. And yeah, you can find us on any kind of podcast directory, I think. And of course, please, we love this. I was like, please, I was like, oh no, I don't want to think we're begging them to send us messages. But like, if you want to reach out to us, because I mean, we I are just spoke about begging you to send us messages. No, but yes. I just talked about like reaching out to Elizabeth today. And what stops me is because I'm like, I'm too nervous. Don't feel that way with us. We're not Becca, human Becca, beings. you can't, you can't t- say one thing and do another. Hey, this do is... what I say. Don't do as I do. No, no, no. <laughs> this is how it's going to work. You are going to message us and Becca is going to message Elizabeth Day. Good day to you all. <laughs> Becca, you got to do it now. I'm a hypocrite. I probably won't. No, you gotta. I'm actually not taking it as an answer. I'll get cross. Oh, damn. Yeah, I'll get cross. Cross. But anyway, I'm going to end the episode now because I'm in control of the the Zoom meeting. (laughs) So until next time. Bye. (sighs) That was a terrible bye. I'm really tired. (laughs) Bye.